No my highly Mike ten corridor and welcome to this conversation about how to be happy though human, which I had to practice as I was telling Kate I have to practice a bit because I was I kept on saying how to be human though happy <laughs> and you know and that just completely shifts everything what Coleridge said but about poetry the best words in the best order and that put them into not such a good <laughs> order um, but uh, so, uh, terrific new and se- new and selected poems um, which is your most recent poetry publication um, Kate needs a little introduction of course um, Kate camp uh, just but um, most of you will know her from the the Saturday morning Kate's classics talks with uh, Kim Hill or um, and uh, which have informed stimulated entertained us or did for nearly for 20 years or so mm-hmm. um, I think you stopped doing them now yeah. but um but uh, they were remarkable I thought uh, for the way in which Kate was usually frequently reading books reflecting on them with your intelligence and insight that, that were new to you mm-hmm. and um, I really I learned a lot from listening to them and I, I really treasured them um, I dare, uh, dare say many of you attended the session yesterday on her new book of essays um, you probably think this song is about you I do think it's about me already <laughs> I've got to say um, lots of ways um, but um, it's, I haven't finished it yet. Maybe I won't think that at the end, but um, it's sparkling, um, sharp-witted, um, very brave, I feel. Um, a memoir, in effect, although it's been, uh, it's being publicized also as a book of essays. And I, I, like, that. I like that in distinction, personally. Um, but, so while Kate has published, that's the third book of essays, I think, um, she is, uh, as I'm sure you all know, first and foremost, a poet, um, the uh, she is award-winning um, and greatly acclaimed. Um, it's her poems that we're here to celebrate, particularly this this new and selected poems, um, which uh, draws on. Apart from the new poems, it draws on the six collections of poems that Kate's published since between 1998 and 2017. I think when the Internet of Things came out. Um, what we're going to do in this session is we're going to, uh, uh, I'll, I'll hand the floor over to Kate in a minute to, she's going to read some, read some poems first of all, and then we'll have a bit of talk. Um, I'm, I've, Kate was very generous in saying, I'm up for anything. So <laughs> I've devised this kind of little uh, quick fire question section, which, uh, so we're going to go into that. Um, uh, and, and it's a kind of, a, just another way of getting to, getting to, getting to know something of Kate, I hope. Um, and, uh, and then we'll go into talk about the book and about her practice, uh, about Kate's, your practice as a poet. Um, so, uh, and we'll talk about you know, how, we put, how you put the book together. And we'll end with another little reading of poems from the book and there'll be an opportunity then for questions. Um, so if you have any questions, you know, save them up and the mic will come around. Um, Welcome. It's fantastic. It's really nice to be here to be able to talk with you again. I, I, Kate and I met maybe twenty years ago when I was in Wellington for a bit, and um, uh, I've long been a fan, um, even from before that. And um, but we've probably haven't seen each other for ten years or no. so. Um, 
Uh, that doesn't seem that long in some ways. I know, I know, it's extraordinary. Time goes it? fast. But, but it's been fun uh, catching up. So, can, do you fancy reading a few poems to us? Um, I do, I do indeed. You've got some new ones, I hear. Yeah, so. I've, got, I've got, some, um, got a couple of new poems there as okay. well. I'll read a few um, from the book. Thanks, thanks, Cliff. Um, yeah, it's quite a strange process putting together selected poems because the poems in this go back to my first collection which are poems I wrote when I was sort of in my early 20s at university and I don't tend to look back on um, poems or those books very very often so I thought I'd, I'd read a mix of, um, of older ones and newer, newer ones. Um, I might just start with the title poem of the collection which is How to Be Happy the Human. Um, I've got a note to myself on a tiny, tiny little post-it here, which is to say that at the end of this poem, I I use the word mourning, and it's mourning with a U. You can't tell that when I read it aloud. How to be happy, though, human. From the circle, there was a man we couldn't see, just his fingers held out for emphasis, like the hands of a preacher or a primary school teacher. Before that, we'd been at the film where three people taxidermied a baby zebra caught in the moment of standing for the first time. I go back to the wings of the stage of my school's assembly hall, smell of dust and afternoons. We are hiding from folk dancing, which we love. And I go back to Saturday. We dance with other, people's, with other people, other people's children, create community with physics. Memory is a kind of mourning. We take each other's hands as if they were made for that, and we form a circle. Mm -hmm. I was just talking before with Cliff about, you know, when you write something or you choose an image or, or whatever, you know, you choose it at a point in time and then um, meanings seem to attach to it and accumulate to it over time. So when I look at this poem now with all its emphasis on hands and taking each other's hands, mm. you know, and in this post-COVID world that seems to be such a, such a thing, you know, um, but it was all written before that and it was just we'd been to a Kaylee at a friend's, um, a friend's kid's school and in, in, uh, done some Scottish country dancing. What's, uh, can I ask a question? What, mm. what, what was the film where three people... It's a documentary it? about um, taxidermy. I think it might be called Stuffed. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah, doc, a documentary about a taxidermy. It's a taxidermy it's, competition. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, a amazing, it's an amazing... Yeah, and that was the, award, that was the award-winning taxidermy was this tiny baby zebra just, just finding, its, finding its feet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'll read a poem from very early in my um, career. Um, it's called In Your Absence. In your absence, I stubbed out my arm, parceled myself off to various chaps. I put the dog's head in a bucket and she barked my shin. I put my head down, received brief papery epiphanies. Enjoying a thermos of tea in the Australian garden, I thought, this is very fine and no one is coming to rescue me. And that was a, 
University Days, University Days poem. Mm. Um, yeah, kind of your poems even attach kind of histories to them as well. So when I think of different poems, I kind of remember not just what I was, where I was at the time I was writing them, but, you know, how people have reacted to them or, you know, different different people. Everything gets a lot of attachments over time, doesn't it? Um, this one's lucky. You can always tell the lucky people. They are the ones who say... You make your own luck. Certain songs have the sound of ringing phones, and some make you think there's a knock at the door. When you move the clock, you always look for the time at that same empty place. And so it is, something removed, not calling or knocking. And when people climb onto the bus, they say, do you go past the hospital? Then you find you don't care about the hospital anymore. There is that pink concrete house, the wedding cake, and cars glitter on distant roads like the shining tops of waves and spray their water spouts like whales. And in your mouth, in that small night, there are teeth lined up like rows of sleeping houses. You have built hotels on all the most important properties and kept them close to your tongue. I have a friend, uh, the poet Steph Lash, who's been in a writing group with me for you know, nigh on 20 years or something. She always says, oh, another Kate Camp poem about teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what that's all about. Um, I'll just read a couple, a couple mm. more. Mm. This one's um, Driving the Bypass. It was agreed the best thing for everyone was that they cut my sister open. I left the house after midnight, the warmest night of summer, the empty streets bursting with green lights. Outside Molly Malone's, a girl was walking home, carrying her shoes. When I drove home, it was dawn. On the new bypass, I was suddenly thrilled by all they had destroyed to build it. The past, relocated, waited for me at traffic lights, and I drove at speed with everything to be grateful for, the present minute exploding and smashing the past to dust. I dreamed a red steam train ran by my house, its cargo carriage upon carriage of honeysuckle. And that was a poem about the night my nephew was born by a caesarean, emergency caesarean section. So... And the new bypass is the new the motorway, one through, yeah, that, the one through Cuba. That they destroyed all of this historic yeah. area. It was yeah. the first time I'd driven yeah. on it, and I just remember that morning driving home at dawn. I was like, "Fuck yeah, destroy the world. Who cares? <laughs> my sister's alive, and my nephew's been born, and yay, yeah, yeah, it's got let that it kind all of... go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll just, um, I'll just read this one. Um, I'll just I'll, I'll dedicate this one to my to my husband Paul. He may or may not want me to read it, but I will anyway. Um, hallelujah! Oh. Summer rain at the beach house. I couldn't sleep. Not the rain, which was gentle, but percussion of water in the downpipe. Making tea by the light of the street lamp. I was singing hallelujah. I never remember the verses, the roof, and the chair, and the tongue 
but I can fill those parts in with sounds in the back of my throat, like the sounds you make to animals. As I stepped on the pedal of the rubbish bin, the grey mouth opened, and there, among the onion skins and tea bags piled like tiny sacks of wheat, was a multicoloured flashing disco candle, which I'd thrown out earlier while testing the 24 pieces for $10. (laughs) I preserved myself at that moment, coloured light playing on my face from below, tea bag held on a spoon, an offering, a medicine, my foot on the pedal, braking, accelerating, making loud or quiet, and the dead Leonard Cohen all around me in the orange street light, and the rain as soft as water, and you asleep in the next room, thin and pale as the body of Christ, while I experienced a miracle all by myself. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's how, how long after um, Leonard Cohen had died was that written? I think it would have been a, a little while, maybe a year or so. I'm not not sure. Yeah. yeah. When did he, he died? Just before Trump. Just before Trump. Got no, the lucky him. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so my my first question was really going to be about. Um, uh, I wonder if you could tell us about how a little bit more about mm. how it was putting this book together. You, you already said it wasn't. You, you, had, you mm. were going back to those first poems, and you, I think you were saying you hadn't really read them for yeah. a while, and 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 how they and how you found. Um, somebody told me I shouldn't use the word themes, mm. here, but 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 how you found this, the poems kind of spoke to each other and, mm. and made a collection themselves. I assume that you you did the selection, or um, it was it? a little bit of a combination. So the the genesis of the book um, was quite miraculous, really. In that, in late 2019, I got an email out of the blue from a guy who I'd met when he came out to New Zealand in um, maybe 10 years earlier for the festival and the Canadian poet, and he, and it just said, oh, hi, Kevin Connolly here. Um, I've become the poetry editor of Anansi, which is an independent publisher in Canada, mm. and um, and the first book I'd like to publish is a selected poems of yours. And I thought, that's a bit weird. Um, and I thought, this is like a Nigerian prince situation. <laughs> is he going to be, you know, please provide your bank account details and... <laughs> Um, but no, it was just that was he 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 that was what he wanted to do. So the book is co-published by um, um, Tehiringa Waka University Press here in New Zealand and by um, Anansi in Canada. So it was a combination of he he had poems that he wanted to include, and he and then I you know so I came up with a selection, he came up with a selection, oh. and we sent each other our lists, and then we kind of worked from there and you know Fergus Barrowman my publisher here in New Zealand um, had input as well mm-hmm. I mean I think I've always every time I've handed in a book to Fergus I've handed in a book that's kind of a half finished or two-thirds finished and then mm-hmm. I hand in the final book and he'll always say um, I think there's a couple of poems that you've taken out of this that will, that you should have left in and so I'll go back and I'll okay I'll put those ones back in and so mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. I I you know, sometimes I tend to take poems out that I think, for one reason or another, I feel a little bit cringy about. And so I think that was quite good having Kevin involved in this and okay, that he probably yeah. Yeah. Um, he probably chose poems that maybe 
um, that maybe were a little bit different than ones I wanted to choose. And then there's some poems there which I want to choose. They may not be hugely significant in terms of my career objectively, but they are important to me. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. sometimes I just wanted to include those for my own yeah. self-indulgence. Mm. Like, oh, it's not my, own, my own self-definition. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I imagine the driving the bypass would be one of those for sure. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. think, um, you know, it's one of the privileges of being a poet is, is being able to, you know, capture moments in your history, your family mm -hmm. history or your yeah. life history yeah. um, and have them there. And, yeah, it was um, at the launch of this book I hadn't, realized right until like, I read that poem at the launch of this book which was just after the first big lockdown um, and I didn't realize until I, I wanted to read it because I knew my nephew was going to be at the launch but it wasn't until I was actually at the launch that I realized the venue that we were reading at which was at the Tuatara Brewery is on Caro Drive which is the bypass we were on the side of that actual road that, <laughs> so I was reading it I was like oh wow yeah, we were like yeah yeah, that's what happens if you never leave your hometown, you know, you're living in layers of history all the time. And when, and it was launched in, so it was launched in 2020. In 2020, yeah. But then, uh, before the lockdown or in No, that, no, it was just, launched after lockdown, just so after August, August 2020, okay, yeah. 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 But since then, you really haven't had, there hasn't been an much opportunity to go out. No, go, no, there and, hasn't. And, and I mean, I was, you know, it. like we've all had our little bummers of COVID and my one was that the book came out, you know, I was supposed to be in Canada at Toronto yeah. Writers' Festival and Whistler Writers' Festival and all uh, these, doing all these cool things over yeah. there, but that was not, not to be, so... No chance of that. Might I think get. I'll. I think I'll do. The, yeah, but You're, you know what it's like. It's like once. It, yeah, it's yeah. different doing it when the book yeah. has just come out. Yeah, for mm. sure, for sure. Um, uh, and and tell us about tell us about the the, cover the apples. Image Someone was yeah. asking after the apples. Yeah. So um, in my day job, um, I work at Te Papa in Wellington, and one of the great things about that is I get exposed to all these amazing images, and this is a Te Papa image. So the um, Leslie Aitken, Te Papa holds a huge collection of photographs and diaries of a guy called Leslie Aitken who photographed his family and his his life, um, all sorts of dimensions, just like family holidays and, and all, all sorts of um, posed and, and candid sort of photos, which for that era, which I think is, uh, I'm going to get the dates wrong now because I'm terrible on dates, but it's not an era where there's a lot of candid family photography anyway, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. really unusual. And this is a photo of apples ripening. Um, and I think I chose it, I mean, I just visually I loved it. It's just a very arresting image. They almost look like sort of ammunition or something, you know, that's mm -hmm. almost like an industrial yeah. look to them until you look closer and realise they're apples. But I think as well, to me, it was an image that was both an image of abundance and melancholy at the same time, which I think is very, very yeah. me. Um, yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah. And then, um, but then of course that's all pre-COVID and then food hoarding became such a theme of life. I was like, wow, it really seems to speak to that era as well. But it was, um, yeah, it was, it was pre all of that. And I think, and just something about apples, they're such a, um, wholesome, symbolic kind of thing. You know, I think I, mm. you know, I, I think I say in a poem about an ex-boyfriend of mine, you know, the very fact that apples are your favourite fruit says everything about you. <laughs> it was just, he was just such a wholesome guy. You know? 
And I think, yeah, I think apples have a lot of symbolic power. Okay, um, I want to get on to to, to talk about let's get sort of unpack the whole thing of um, how the poems intersect mm. with your life. Actually, mm. that thing because especially with the the memoir having come out, yeah. which is which is so sort of candid mm. and and open and brave. Um, but um, but before we do that, I think a way into it might be mm. if you're ready for I'm this ready. quick the quick fire <laughs> question, <laughs> bit, which is gonna, which hopefully <laughs> will will you know give you a give you a sort of another slight insight, uh, quick insight to Kate. So it's so the rules are Kate. Okay. I didn't did I tell you the rules. No, there no, are tell rules. Me the rules. Okay, the rules are uh, this isn't mastermind. There's no pass okay. allowed. Um, okay. But you, of course, you can pass if you yeah. want to. Or you, yeah. But um, that's about it. That's okay. the only rule. And it's just going to be, I'm going to fire off okay. a whole lot of pairs at you and you're going to decide right. which one you choose. Okay. So it starts with chocolates or strawberries? Chocolates. TikTok or Instagram? Instagram. Too old for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, definitely allowed for comments <laughs> as well, with reflections. Emily Dickinson or Christina Rossetti? Oh, Dickinson. Okay. Yeah. Still life or landscape? Still life. Full moon or new moon? Ooh, uh, full moon. That's good. interesting. Fiction or non-fiction? Fiction. You see, that's it. The non-fiction writer says mm. fiction. <laughs> <laughs> the poet, but the poet says fiction, and, yeah. and poetry is fiction. People forget that. Mm. Um, um, mountain and river or beach and ocean? Beach and ocean. Tragedy or comedy? Comedy. Book or Kindle? Oh, both. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen? Bob Dylan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got a few more here. Um, well, yeah, in that vein, Joan Baez or Joni Mitchell? Joni Mitchell, yes. <laughs> I knew that would be the answer. Red or green? Green. Okay, the sublime or the ridiculous? Mm, uh, The ridiculous, I think. Okay, well, Luxon or Key? Oh, (laughs) Hobson's choice. Um, Who's the hand that's going to feed you? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I'm going to say Luxon because for all of the things that I think are crazy about him, I actually think he believes in his own convictions was key I've always felt was interesting read. ultimately malleable mm. interesting read so on that vein Hillary Clinton or AOC Hillary Hillary all the way Hillary all the way okay sunset or sunrise sunrise soap or hand wash mm, hand wash I think mm. <laughs> that's what Justine said as mm. well um San Francisco or New York? I've never been to San Francisco, so I'm going to have to say New York. Okay. Keats or Shelley? Keats. Anne Carson or Mary Ruffles? Oh, I don't know Mary Ruffler very well, but in Canadian reviews of my book, people keep likening me to her, so I'm going to say her. (laughs) (laughs) Did you read that? Did you read Anne Carson's um, Margaret Perrette? Essay? Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's yeah. amazing, obviously, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get on to that a little right. bit later. Tramping or trail biking? Oh, neither. 
<laughs> Fish or chips? Chips. Sally Rooney or Patricia Lockwood? Oh, uh, Sally Rooney. Yeah. yeah. And um, Milton or Blake? Not overly into either. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Confessional or L equals A equals N equals G, etc. language, experimental mm, poetry? Oh, confessional, yeah. The confessional? Yeah. 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 Ophelia or Desdemona? Mm, what a choice again. No, no, no. no. So, uh, so neither of them come out of it very well, do they? No, so. they don't. No, they don't. Yeah. yeah. Tarot cards or I Ching? Mm, I Ching. I Ching, all right. Curling up with a book or binging on Netflix? Binging on Netflix. <laughs> Weed or wine? Um, <laughs> these days, neither. <laughs> Tea. <laughs> Baxter or Kono? Uh, Baxter. Okay. Daydream or dream? Dream. Spirit or soul? Um, soul. Active or passive? Active. The moon or the Milky Way? Oh, the Milky Way, I think. Yeah. And for, last question. Thank you for being us. Oh, that's uh, fun. Um, uh, which of the Bronte sisters would you most like to have as a dinner party guest? Oh, Emily, I think. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. yeah. It's a sort of given, really. Yeah. Except yeah. you yeah. don't want... No, Anne, I mean, Anne of Wildfell you know, Hall. Yeah. Oh, my and goodness, anyway, she'd probably, you know, not turn up. Or, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, look, thank you for that. That's, that's, that, was fun. that was fun. Um, so, so I, I wanted to ask you really about, um, I'm just going to find my notes, but, but in a sense, uh, we should really go on to, um, uh, in a, I'm interested, and, and you speak a little bit about this, but, but where, where it all began for you, mm. writing poetry. Um, and you, you speak about your mother. That's, you say that's where it yeah. all began with your mother um, yeah. reciting poems. Um, yeah, I that, mean, mum's, a, mum's an, was an English teacher, now retired many, many years. And so poetry was always a huge part of our lives growing up, you know, and not in a... I don't think we even knew it was poetry. It was just stuff that mum said. Um, but, you know, that. so when you be, you know, I can just picture myself in my nightie having had a bath, getting ready to go to bed, and mum saying, you know, the woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep in miles to go before I sleep. And it was just the kind of things that were just mm -hmm. that language that was always around us. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, I remember going to university and it being a huge disappointment to discover that so many things that I thought were just sayings of mums were actually like <laughs> Shakespeare, Pope, you know, and because she, her knowledge of the English canon and her memory of quotations is, is phenomenal. And so she'd always, she'd always pop up with a, pop up with an apposite quote. Um, yeah, so I've got no doubt that it comes from that. But I think both, I mean, my father was a lawyer. He's really, um, a language person as well. And I mm -hmm. think um, wordplay mm. was like a huge currency around our family mm -hmm. dinner table. Someone said to me a while ago, oh, you you know, your family dinner table must have been very erudite or something. And I thought, no, no, it wasn't. It was all about, but it was all about wordplay, being funny, 
you know, we had a neighbour called Case, Case with Strata, and I could just, you know, it was always like how many sayings could you think of, you know, would you like a piece of fruit and nut case, you know, tell me <laughs> tell me the story but keep it brief, Case, you know. And it was just like those those are the kind of things and as a, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old, you know, if you could say something funny that made your parents laugh, to me that was a great, you know, that was a great currency and so that word play, I think that sense of um, language... The, the unexpected, language used to sort of deliver the unexpected. You know, both my parents are very irreverent and they always loved to subvert familiar sayings. So they'd always say, Bob's your auntie instead of Bob's your uncle. And I never knew the saying was Bob's your uncle until I was well into my 20s. <laughs> and, and you know, you know, Dad would say, you know, power corrupts and absolute power is even better. You know? And so that, that sense of sort of sayings and and... Um, established cliches being undermined was very much part of our mm. childhood and I think mm. that that really um, that lends itself to poetry and I think mm. that's that's a familiar thing in my work I think and as you yes and as you realize that it's actually a subversive yeah. as well that, and that a subversion's been has yeah. been played on you that's very yeah. interesting when when was the first time that you actually sort of consciously wrote a poem and possibly that was at school, mm. but also when when you felt you know that you were conscious of doing it as a uh, writing as a poet or aspiring to be a poet. I mean, I think as a child, I wrote poems like for family members and their birthday cards and stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. And so I don't yeah. I mean I don't remember or have any of those, but I think that would have been something I was probably doing when I was eight, nine, ten, you know. Um, so, but I don't ever think I aspired to be a poet particularly in that sense and it was probably only then maybe in my teens I think I probably aspired to be a, you know Joni Mitchell more than I aspired to be a poet yeah um yeah. but I think yeah then probably in my late teens I I would have started to have an interest in it and then I knew there was this creative writing class mum had told me that the older sister of a school friend of mine had had a short story published and that seemed to me like oh wow and it was in a book and that was Emily Perkins and and I thought oh literary magazine what even is that you know like all of that was totally unknown unknown to me but I thought oh Wow. And then I entered a um, writing competition at the university bookshop when I was at university, and that was for a hundred-word short story. And Emily Perkins was the judge of that. She was working at the bookstore then, and I think she'd had some success. And, yeah, and you had to include five words. It was one of those ones where they give you five words and you have to include the five words in your story. And yeah. I could only include four words, so I called my story one of the words, <laughs> which was cactus. And I just remember rushing into university, picking up the, you know, the, the student magazine on my way into a lecture and, and flicking through it and thinking, oh, amazing, the person who won decided to call their story exactly the same thing as I did. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I won. So that kind of made me think, oh, maybe I should apply for this. You know, maybe, maybe I could apply for this creative writing course at, Mm-hmm. Victoria. So I don't think I'd ever really finished a poem or tried mm-hmm. to write something mm-hmm. seriously until I knew I was applying to the course. And then I thought, wow, I guess I better finish some things. Yeah. Okay. That brings up two things that I wanted to talk to you about. Mm. One of them is actually is 
your extraordinary facility for titles. And I remember the first time I came across your work would have been in 98, probably on the radio, hearing, and I didn't read the book. I think I said to you, I, actually, I don't think I've ever really mm. read the book until I've read the selection in, in here. But um, Unfamiliar Legends of the Stars, I would have heard you read a couple mm. of poems on the radio. But, but that title just blew my mind. It's such a good title. It's um, the title of another book. It's a, well, that's, yeah. and that's often how you derive, mm. you repurpose yeah. titles, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And so is How to Be Happy Though Human. Yeah. How to Be yeah. Happy Though Human is the title of a sort of self-help book from the 1950s, <laughs> I think. No, it was early. Yeah. It's in the 1930s, early 1930s, I think. Yeah. I couldn't believe they had self-help yeah. books in the 1930s. Yeah, it was they, kind they, of the pull-yourself-together school a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Unfamiliar Legends of the Stars, like I can just picture myself in um, – in the cable car lane on my way up to the cable car I've got a, an armful of library books and I ran into Bill Manhire and he was a lecturer of mine at the university then I didn't know yeah. him in a yeah. creative writing context because he wasn't teaching the course the creative writing course uh, the year uh, I did it but one of those books was a book of legends and okay. it was called Unfamiliar Legends of the Stars and I said to him oh, I'm thinking this could be a really good name for a book of poems and he said yeah that's terrific it's his favourite word um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I remember the genesis of that that really clearly. But, yeah, I've always got way more titles than um, poems. I've always got titles to, <laughs> titles to spare. Tell me about it. So, that's, well, that's another question. Do, so do you write to a title or, or yeah. do you find the title? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have my if – I, if I see something that I like the sound of or, you know, I just – something pops into my head, I notice something in the world. I, I'll, um, I mean, nowadays with my phone, I probably just text it to myself or email yeah, myself yeah, but, or yeah. write down on a piece of paper and then I stick those into my scrapbook or I get the emails off my phone and write them into my sort of writing scrapbooks and mm -hmm. then on my writing time, I'll just flick through and, and one might jump out at me. So I might think, oh, yeah, I'll um, yeah. just oh, use yeah. that as a starting point for a poem. Yeah. So that's your title. So that um, that's great. And, and and obviously you still hadn't met Emily at that point. Um, no, I, I mean I knew her as my schoolmate's big sister. But uh -huh. yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and who? Um, there's a question. But who? If if Bill wasn't your teacher at that um, mm. in the creative writing, that was an, an undergraduate class, yeah. was it? Who who did who did teach it? It was Damien Wilkins. Ah, Damien yeah. taught it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I hadn't realised he And it was fiction and poetry. You had to do both. So yeah. at that time I didn't think of my, you know, I mean I, I submitted poetry to get into the course, but we had to do, we had to write both while we were oh, on okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's an interesting reading. I'd be keen to know what But reading the, um, reading the, as from from beginning to end mm. you know, and and through it i i realized that in a sense um and i and i actually i got this idea from reading jonathan galassi about eugenia montale uh, how montale's poems really add up to a story mm. and in a sense and this is where i was saying you know picture, fic, poetry mm. is fictional and mm. people often forget that um but mm. Your um, uh, the poem very much. Uh, I think Marius is coming story. to fiddle with your yeah. fiddle with your mic. Oh uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. 
Is that better? Yeah, okay. Um, so, so it seems to me that your, your poems do kind of tell a story, and, but, but, but there, are, there are great mysteries, you know, in that, um, was it that? No, there's a line in uh, that poem in Unfamiliar Legends postcard, which, um, and, I, and I'm not sure if the speaker is, is a, a persona of yourself mm. or someone who's writing a postcard to you, but, mm. but um, I'm in the hockey anger with my mysteries mm. and then um, something like looking for pussy and mm. um, uh, in italics a title mm. for something and um, uh, Swing Brother Swing, that mm. Billy Holiday song, mm. I think. Um, but, but it seems to me that your, your poems, whilst they are very much um, centered in things mm. and stuff, as you say, and mm. things are really important to you, um, that, that they kind of aspire to a mysticism. Mm. And part of that story, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll shut and let you talk for a minute, in a minute, but part of that story seems to be um, uh, a narrative of yourself growing, finding yourself mm. as a woman, mm. as, as a person, as a woman, mm. um, and and then uh, kind of uncovering, discovering through through this focus on things, a sense of mysticism, mm. and particularly in Marguerite mm. Perret and the uh, annihilation of s the mirror of annihilated simple souls, simple mm. annihilated souls, yeah. which is um, which I'm sure you all know is is a collection of of Kate's that uh, won the National Book Book Prize. Um, so, is that would I be on the right lines for that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's been an, you know, the thing that's always attracted me to poetry has been that sense of the poem as a wisdom text, you know, and it's a very unfashionable kind of notion since you know yeah. World War One and you know modernism and it blew all that apart. But I think that the sense of a poem as containing some sort of mystery and some sort of wisdom and 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 being a source of comfort in that in that way, um, you know, and that I guess being steeped in the English canon, you know, that sense of um, of of a poem as being a place that holds all of the knowledge of the world or whatever, you know, that you know, that's always been in me, and I think, um, but I th I think that as as New Zealanders, as modern people, as you know, as the world's developed, having the 60s having happened, you know, all of the above, we've kind of, um, those senses have become so much more problematic and so much more complicated. And so, uh, you know, the, the thought that you would go to a poem, that a poem would sort of intone some profound philosophical truth and present it to you with a voice of authority is not something that I feel comfortable with or that mm -hmm. most people do or that mm -hmm. most people are, are looking for. So, um, so I feel like I kind of smuggle that into the work. Um, and, and over the years, I guess, probably around the time I did The Mirror of Simple Annihilated Souls, I probably was having a bit of a creative crisis around that time. And I thought, I was reading a lot of um, Czesław Milosz at the time, mm -hmm. a Polish poet, you know, and he um, never shies away from sort of grand philosophical notions. And I think I just thought, well, if not me, then who? Like, no, I am, you know, yes, I'm a a middle-class woman from the New Zealand suburbs, you know, what would I know about the philosophical truths of life? But what, what would anyone know? Like, I just, I can't, if, if I'm not prepared to go there, what's the point, you know? So I, yeah. that's, what I'm, that's what I'm seeking when I 
read a poem. I'm seeking some sense of transcendence or some contact with the ineffable, whether we call it, you know, the mysteries or whatever. So, um, but I think being me with my sense of irony and being in the contemporary world, I always feel the need to smuggle it in or for it to have a kind of double double meaning. So in that, you know, that the piece, the, the lines you're talking about, you know, um, I'm in the Hokianga with my mysteries, goodbye pussy, swing brother swing. So they're both um, mystery, murder mysteries by Naya Marsh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I so, um, okay. but okay. I mean, it's not accidental yeah. that I say it in that way that I'm there with my mysteries. But yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but that that kind of makes it yeah. that makes it tolerable for me to talk about those those things because yeah. I've I've you know I've I've, I've kept it real in yeah. the good old Kiwi vernacular. Yeah. I was actually in a yeah. camping ground while the car was being repaired. You know, with only actually the only reading we had access to was some. I was the unlimited library of Naya Marsh. So, yeah, but I, I think I, I like to... The poems I love combine that's those fantastic. things, you know. I they, love that. They combine yeah. that sort of daily yeah. life with the, yeah. with the philosophical depths. Yeah. So you mentioned Milosh, um, mm. but who else in that, in that period as you were coming into your mm. sense of yourself as a poet, who else were you reading and who, who were influences on you? Well, I think that was very specific to that period and to that book. So I remember reading, I had his um, collected poems, and mm. as I was writing that book, I just read through his collected poems, you know, over that, over that period, and that was a real, yeah, that was a really profound influence. I mean, I'm always reading. I always read for an, I always read poetry for an hour before I write. So you know, usually uh, yeah, that, yeah. Y- and usually that's enough time to read a volume of someone's work. That would be yeah. my ideal. Would be to read a single volume of one person's work for an hour and then to, to do my yeah. own writing. And I yeah. kind of don't. I don't feel anxious about the influence of that because I find that salutary. Like you know, yeah. having yeah. having someone else's sort of voice in my in my head. So. Yeah, I mean, Mark Doty's been a very important um, mm. important influence for me, I, I think. Um, and then New, New Zealand-wise, uh, Loris Edmund is one that's a real touchstone touchstone oh, yeah. for me. Ah, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, well, that's a little bit. Is that, and how, is that how you go about writing a poem? How do they? Yeah, yeah. 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 So I read poetry for an hour. And then I'll write poetry for an hour, and then usually nothing good happens that I give up. <laughs> you just, you, do you try and you know do that every day? Or? No, no. That's no. I usually usually once a week is my that's my practice because I work you know that's so on a Wednesday though. Wednesday yeah. morning I have my writing writing morning. But when I've had fellowships and I've, yeah. and I've been writing every day, that would still be my practice would be to to read poetry for an hour and then. Yeah. And then write for an hour, and and yeah. even if by writing nothing's happening and it's just completely, like, just I'm totally blocked or whatever, I would still do it. Yeah. Just to the point that yeah. I'd even just be typing out words or just doing exercises out of a book or whatever. But just to maintain, like I've always had little affirmations up above my desk over the years, and I, you know, one I've had for years and years and years now is just keep the faith of like. You know, just say to myself, you're just here to write for an hour. It's not about the product. You know, you've just got to, it's just like an act of keeping faith with myself. And you, and you give yourself that hour to write. And, yeah. Yeah. And even, even yeah. if it's just like, That's great. because if I gave up in the first 20 minutes thinking, oh, this isn't going well, I'd probably never write anything. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, I understand totally. 
Um, um, uh, I wanted to just talk about so that yeah, I've got this. Uh, there's a quotation or a, an epigraph in one of Ian's poems from mm. from the Little Lake uh, from Milan Kundera. I was wondering what you think he says. Um, Form is melancholy. Content is happiness. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering what what you felt about that, and and, and how you how you get to to give form to the poems, how mm. the how poems take form for you, which is usually stanzaic for you. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that I I've kind of got when I'm writing, I'm just not thinking about any of the technical aspects of it, and mm. I'm just writing purely on intuition but I've got such a I've read so much poetry and I've now written a lot of poetry and mm. I've done I've workshopped a lot of other people's poetry and then you know, I did a degree in English and so yeah. I've got all of that technical knowledge is kind of there somewhere yeah. but I'm not consciously bringing it to bear at all when I'm writing so I'm not thinking yeah. about any of that and so I'll just write until I feel like I've done I've somehow got it out of the system and then I'll go back and edit it and then that might be when I'm putting it into stanzas. or But often then at that point I'll notice that it's already kind of shaped in that way or I'll mm -hmm. notice that there's a lot of sound effects in there and but almost none of that is conscious when I'm when I'm writing it. Right, yeah. It just, yeah, and, and, and that's what I enjoy. And in fact that's quite, because editing is fun, you know, writing, writing is hard, editing is fun because you've already done the bit and you know you've yeah. got something. So then you yeah. just, you know, then you just like, can play around with it and I enjoy that that aspect and then I read things aloud you know that's my editing process even with the memoir just to read aloud mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. I was going Marius could, could we just change the uh, the slides um, I love this image um, this is uh, this is, so this is the, the cover image of Kate's collection Snow White's Coffin um, and that's what, would you tell us about how you came across that this is, this yeah. is a, I'm thinking of how things are so important. Well, I'm going to read the poem, actually, because yeah, it does explain at the end of the poem. Um, yeah, that's It does talk about it at the end. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Do, let's do that. Just find this it. was written in Germany, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a collection of poems. Almost, almost all yeah. of them were written on the, on, the, um, on the fellowship. It's quite a, quite a long poem. Snow White's Coffin. Tom Waits records the sound of frying chicken. That's how he achieves his pops and crackles. Our old unit had a hooked grey arm. It was a trunk of wood with woven speakers. As a child, I worried about forgetting. The hexagonal handle, a creamy honey cell, that floor in the lino resembling Donald Duck while the others of its kind looked like grey bells. Sometimes life would seem too big, even then. An empty Sunday where you drifted as a ghost. I saw Bonnie and Clyde on such a day, as I recall, in black and white. When the bullets came, they died like oceans, full of slow turbulence, as if brought by death to life. Why preserve one's childhood memories? So, like Egyptians, they might be packed into the grave that I would sit up nights eating from the Harworth mug spoonfuls of plain sugar mixed with cinnamon. Is there room in the sarcophagus for that, for the feeling of the covers of paperbacks 
in which girls survive among great trees, girls who make mistakes in forests. One thing I loved was to pick the scabs on my knees while sitting on the toilet. Do I need to say I ate them? Who is taking this down? The Dutch, I believe, have built a car one molecule long. I've seen its silly form, its atom wheels. It looks nothing like a car. It looks to be a pupa, some kind of baby bee surprised by disaster in its cell. The problems of this world will not be solved by tiny cars. Everything is small enough already, and there is too much, too much of everyone. To understand your life, you need another whole life. I think we're sitting here on the axis, my friend. That is why we feel a bit unwell. Buried in us are minutes, days, mornings slept late, nights of no rest turning to one side, turning again like a tide, sweating into the bodies of hot beds, these buckets full of moisture. I think that futures might be in us too, driving in tiny cars. They are opening their minute glove boxes and with infinitesimal hands draw out maps too small to imagine, but they imagine them. They look at the list of streets, all arranged according to the alphabet, and then I think they throw the book away, and they get out from the car, and they throw the keys into the ocean, howling. They do not want to go to places and books. They will not drive in their molecule cars, those ridiculous cartoons. Snow White's coffin is an integrated radio and record player that introduced plexiglass to the domestic interior. Relieve yourself of the excruciating clutter of the world is what it says to you. Everything you thought was being alive is revealed as a problem which can be solved by good design. Yeah. Terrific poem. And that's, that's it there, Snow White's Coffee. It explains it all quite simply, I think. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I was, you know, that's kind of like a, a massive poem with a lot of different things going on mm. in it. But one of the things that was going on for me was my experience of being in Germany and just sort of engaging with German intellectual life. Yeah, and um, there's my pla- favorite place in Berlin was called the Museum of Things, and uh, <laughs> very me, and um, and they had, you know, they had this there, and they had all sorts of things, and they had, you know, there was a tour, there was a um, a touring exhibition that travelled around Germany in in the period just before World War Two, just before the Third Reich, and it was called a, a display of home horrors, and it was a display of kitsch household decor styles which should be avoided, so that people could see, you know, how not to decorate their home, and I think it just it really just got me thinking about how. You know, the thing that's so wonderful about the human intellect and its ability to um, categorise and analyse, you know, but it's also, and and to judge, um, which is great. And I love that, you know, and the intellectual life in Germany is is incredible and they put such value on intellectual pursuits there. Um, But then 
in another way. It's kind of like the most, the intellect is like the most human thing about you, but it can also be very dehumanizing. And for me, that's what Snow White's coffin, the, you know, it's so stunning. It's so yeah. sparse. It's so beautiful. But there's a kind of fascism about that as well. Yeah. And that, you know, yeah. when I think back to our record player from childhood yeah. with its kitsch, golden yeah. woven fabric, you know, yeah, like there's yeah. room in my head for both of those things. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, when I saw you were publishing a book called Snow White's Coffin, immediately I, mm. I went to that. Um, I, I knew you'd been to Anna Akhmatova's house because you sent me that um, lovely leaf, which I've got here, from the maple leaf from her trees. Do you, from the trees, which this Kate very bi biosecurity sent breach. Me. Yeah, biosecurity <laughs> breach here. But this is a, a maple leaf from, from uh, Anna outside the, her tree from Anna. But mm. I assumed, oh my God, Kate's writing, writing a <laughs> poem about Anna Akhmatova. And I thought, damn it, she's got there, got there before me. But, but, um, so it was, that is an extraordinary poem. One of the things I think about it, and we must get on to questions shortly, but um, one of the things I think about it is that, um, is that it, it illustrates how you have this way of collaging different mm. ideas. I, I can't imagine, though, please tell me I'm mm. wrong, that you wrote that all in one sitting. That, no, that, I did. You I did. did, yeah. Well, that's phenomenal. It's but really I mean, happy. it was been been it had been building up. You know, it's a it's a because I have like it's very much a collage. Literally in my writing book, I've got lots of different things that I've put in there over time, and I'll start to write, and I might write and write and write on something, and then and then I'll be stopped, and so I'll flick through and look yeah, for something okay. else. And yes, over a, yeah. and over a period, there will have been things that have been on my mind. Mm. But I think that that you know, there's a real sort of despairing, angry section in the middle of that yeah. that poem yeah. you know and i think yeah. that was um about the, cars yeah about way. the about yeah. the cars and i yeah. think you know I, yeah. I wasn't aware of it at the time but looking back on it now I, I see that as being about you know having we'd been doing fertility treatment and i see that as being about that period which i speak about in the memoir but yeah. i mean i wasn't yeah. consciously thinking of it at the time but when i look at Gosh. the imagery that's in it now and that sense of um Gosh. existential sort of rage I think that that's I, I would I would connect it connect it to that but yeah all of those things you know it's almost like I'm a reader of my own poems too and I think oh, oh I can see how those things connect up but it's not like that's the same person who then who wrote it I wasn't mm. sort of mapping that out at the time okay look it's 125 I've been so Occasionally glancing at this clock, trying to figure out how to read it. I thought it was twelve fifty. Can it be twelve fifty? But um, my eyesight's not that good. And um, uh, but it's one twenty-five. So I think we ought to open up um, for questions yes, now, yes. and then and then maybe you know hear another poem or, or so. If so, has, has anybody got any any questions at all that they'd like to ask? Put your hand up, and uh, we can. Yes, there's one over here. Yeah, you'll get the microphone. Hi, Kate. Um, you're at a certain point would have been writing both the memoirs, the, the, the new book and poetry. As material was kind of presenting itself in your mind over that period, how did you decide where to put it? Was that a conscious thing? This is a poem and this is memoir material. How did that work for you? Um, yeah, really interesting question. I think I think because the memoir, the the content of the memoir, I've I've written poems about most of the things that are in the memoir already at the time that they were kind of 
happening or, or in the intervening period. So for, for, um, for most of the time, I kind of feel like on a poetic sense that that's kind of was done for me, that, you know, particular time was something that I'd kind of, um, I mean, you know, certain things come up all the time and you're really just writing the same two poems over and over again, aren't you? But, um, so it wasn't, wasn't difficult from that point of view in terms of where the content would be, but it has been really interesting just the different way that things play out in the memoir, you know, in a more, in such a more straightforward, um, explanatory way in the memoir and for me it's quite a luxury that I would never allow myself in a poem normally no, would be to yes. fill in all of that detail <laughs> and explain the context and um, just expand out like for me that's a real you know that's, you enjoyed, have you enjoyed that? oh yeah yeah, yeah like the ability to just sprawl out you know like yeah. that was really was really um, was really nice I mean it's scary because you're not as being as secretive as you are in the poems but can I say that, you know, any of you who've bought the memoir, you should get this book and then try and, try and put this. <laughs> this, should become, this should become a national competition of trying to put which poems relate to which part of the memoir, because that, that will be quite something. We've got a question here. Um, kia ora, Kate. Thanks for reading Snow White's Coffin. I actually had a little, a little cry. Oh, <laughs> it was really amazing to hear it read Thanks. again. Um, I just wondered, um, I guess, the second part to that, have you thought about fiction? Because you have such a strong voice. You're so entertaining. Did the, has the memoir kind of that expansiveness made you think? Mm. I mean, if if I could wave a magic wand and, and and write any book, you know, any type of book, it would definitely be, you know, a novel. Um, but I just don't think I have the ability to create plot. And, you know, you do. Um, and, but, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a different skill set. And when I was doing the um, – when I was writing short fiction on the creative writing workshop, you know, it was all just like thinly veiled memoir. I remember writing one story because, you know, I couldn't think of any ideas of things that would happen. And one story – I'm a touch typist, so, you know, you'd, you'd sort of subconsciously associate, you know, what letters you're typing. And one character was called Dot. And it was just me, obviously. But, um, but, and so every time I went to type the capital D, I'd accidentally type the capital K with the other hand because <laughs> my subconscious knew it was just myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I would love the fiction. I'd love the fiction gods to bless me with the ability to create plot, but I just don't think I have it. Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's time yet. Have we got any, any other questions? There's one over here. Um, it interested me when you were saying uh, that you like to smuggle in wisdom to poems mm. a lot because I try and do that. And they are, in a sense, wisdom because these things have gestated for so long and suddenly they, you know, appear. You work hard. But, like, I heard someone earlier say, like, professing something about being scared of using the word spirituality when it came to their writing work. Mm. And do you think there is a bit of a fear about, like, those sorts of things, when it is, to me anyway, it's quite inherent in what a poem is. It's, mm. it's a wisdom. Yeah, I think there is. I think it's a, um, I mean, I think it's partly a New Zealand thing. Um, you know, that's, I mean, that's the greatest national crime, isn't it, to take yourself too seriously. is like, you know, that's something that we all fear um, as New Zealanders. And I think um, New Zealand poets are the same. You know, we, we're kind of, 
um, there's often there's often a need to undercut seriousness. I think that you find in New Zealand in New Zealand poetry, um, but it's not. I don't think it's unique to us either. I think it's just. I mean, it comes from a good place in a way, which is a um, scepticism about these, you know, white men standing on the mountain top laying down the facts of life. Um, I think we, you know, quite rightly have got a scepticism about that, but. Um, and, and maybe we've also got a bit of a scepticism about the kind of um, confessional, I'm just going to bear my soul, you know, and, and just blurt out every emotion I've ever had. Um, but I think, you know, you don't want to throw out the, the, the good mysteries along with trying to avoid those, along with avoiding those things. Yeah, but it's, um, I don't know, a poem should always have some sort of, transcendent mystery in it, otherwise it wouldn't be a poem. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They've got to be escape, what is it, to escape understanding or escape, mm. escape their meaning. Yeah. yeah. Shall uh, I read a poem? We, 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 yeah. need, we need to finish up. Yeah, we need to finish up. But shall I yeah. read a last poem? Yeah, if you got, you got one in mind. It's not really a question. I'm going to yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> you got one in mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. I just want to okay. read a new, a new poem. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. And I think, I mean, this is an example of a poem that um, came from an exercise. Uh, there's a very good... Uh, mm. A page on poets and writers, I think, where they post an exercise once a week, and this was they gave an example of a Elizabeth Bishop poem about a bus journey, and oh, um, that's they, yeah, and yeah, they said you know to write a poem based on the a moose. with the whole yeah. yeah with the moose yeah mm. write a poem based on a on a journey, and so I wrote a poem based on a, a most recent journey that I'd that I'd been on, and I had um, yeah I didn't have any plans as to where it was going. Um, but yeah, that's that okay. was what what's triggered this. Um, I let you choose the music. I let you choose the music, and you choose the music I would choose. What's that song you always sing? It's four strong winds. The point in the road where the radio statics out. The island, like a good dog, asleep. And Mum said the old dog would start to scrabble here when she could smell the sea. The winter I bought my coat, I stopped here to try it on in the rain, quilted, yellow-green, marshy. And it was here I dreamed there was a monastery, blue and white like a Grecian island, though I've never been to one. We went to Carpety a few years back. Women brought salads to the room, all colours. The flax and bright red flower was full of tuis. The captain hurt his hand somehow bloodied and bandaged on the voyage home. Side by side, we make plans for our party, all our new gazebos, and remember when you went missing, looking for your imaginary friend? We won't come this way again. It's not a song, it's transmission gully. This will be the old road, and we will go the new way, not this small path with its wire ropes and concrete wall, Waves and static. The radio cuts out. I'll look for you if I'm ever back this way.
and I didn't, I didn't realise it until after, long after I'd written that poem that it's kind of a companion poem to the um, Driving the Bypass, which Absolutely. I read before, because the person on the journey with me is my nephew, who's now 15, <laughs> and operates the Spotify f- for me, and he, you know, he... he he, in a very generous way, plays the music that plays he knows I want wins. to yeah, play. Four strong wins, yeah. or you know, yeah. Jersey Boys, or whatever. And um, I hadn't realised, you know, for ages after I wrote that poem, the the um, pairing with the poem about the night he was born, and that being about mm. the road and the new bypass, and then this being about Transmission <laughs> Gully. So, you know, given another fifteen right. years, and they will have built some other monumental highway. <laughs> that's and that's the naming of somewhere in Wellington yeah, too, which I was saying rarity. earlier. Yeah, Kyola. Um, look, I just want to say. Two things. I just cannot commend this book to you enough. Uh, go out and get it, especially if you've got the, the, the memoir as well, and you'll have a lot of fun trying to figure out uh, where, the, where they intersect. Um, uh, it's terrific. There are other books out there as well. Um, I just say thank you, Kate. It's been really wonderful um, hearing you talk about poems and answering some of these questions. Thank you. It's and, been, um, it's been awesome. We could have gone on forever. Yeah, really. Like, absolutely. <laughs> thank you very much indeed. Um, and all of you. Yes.